Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth in the fourth chapter. Hear now these words. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of believers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Silence in us any voice but yours, gracious God, that in hearing your word today, we may be inspired to do your will in our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You never had a chance to meet my mother. She would have celebrated her 97th birthday yesterday and I continue to celebrate her memory as a feisty and faithful Christian woman. I've thought a lot about her, the love she had for me, and the things she taught me as I've prepared for today's service. I'm certain that she would have had a comment or two about what I have to say, and would have had no qualms in sharing her opinions with me especially when I was deciding whether or not to mention Mother's Day. Today is Mother's Day, 2018, and it's also the seventh Sunday of Eastertide. Some of you are here especially because it is Mother's Day, while others may resent the intrusion of a secular Hallmark holiday into the church's celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. While Mother's Day doesn't appear anywhere in the church's liturgical calendar, it's arguably one of the most significant Sundays of the calendar year when folks are here with their mothers because they are mothers or because they're thinking about their mothers. The theology professor Sally McFaig has written, no human love can be perfect but parental love is the best metaphor we have. Parent, mother, all of us, female and male, have the womb as our first home. All of us are born from the bodies of our mother. All of us are fed by our mothers. 
What better imagery could there be for expressing the most basic reality of existence, that we live and move and have our being in the life and love of God? Yes, we all know that metaphors are limited. Not all women are mothers. Not all mothers are loving and life-giving. Not all men are fathers. Not all fathers are strong and faithful. Some mothers abandon their babies. Some fathers abuse their children. Even though our language is limited and our lives are limited by our sinfulness, God's love for us in Jesus Christ is neither one of these. In the pain of death and in the suffering of the cross, Jesus exhibits a love that knows no bounds and teaches us a new way of living as God's children. The Apostle Paul's comments about ministry and glory come within the context of his second letter to the church at Corinth. He's concerned about the integrity of the Christian message as he understands it, as well as about rival Christian preachers who sought to discredit him and run him down. Though his reputation was at stake, Paul spoke against those who taught an understanding of Christianity which led people back into a form of Judaism. Just as they could not really see God's glow on Moses' face then, so they could not see God's glow in Paul's time when they heard Moses read. According to Paul, we can only see what the scriptures are about and really see God's glory as it permanently shines in the person of Jesus Christ. The more we look at the divine glow in Jesus, the more our lives will carry that same glow in terms of our love of God and our compassion for others. We're all called to be ministers whose goal then is to reflect the light that Christ reflects from God. It may not be easy, and we're often tempted to adjust the gospel to make it more palatable to our culture, but it's our calling to glorify God, whose power enables us to serve. I've been blessed to have been raised by a community of strong, faithful women. They mothered me and nurtured me, though only one actually birthed me. The light of Christ shone through them as they taught me many things which I've carried into ministry for 43 years. I give thanks every day for the lessons they taught me which I hope I've reflected to you over these past 15 years. With nurture come challenges and blessings, so I offer these as well on my last Sunday in the pulpit. My mother was a librarian who taught me to love books and reading as much as she did. Just look at my office and you'll see what I mean. She taught me to listen carefully to think critically and to ask questions thoughtfully of the people I met in person as well as through their writing. And she showed me what a wonderful resource a real book 
and a church library can be. She set the pattern for our family of being at the church whenever the doors were open, and she modeled her faith through quiet acts of kindness. She taught the two and three-year-olds in our church and didn't retire until she was 80 because she loved them and she took seriously the vow to help them grow up in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. I want little Alex, all the children and youth at CCPC, and all the young people confirmed in this congregation to grow up knowing that they are beloved children of God and valuable parts of this family of faith. I pray that they will thrive in a church that is transformed by the power of God's love, where those around them love each other as Christ loves each of them unconditionally. I trust that they will be inspired by the power of your witness, not put off by the hypocrisy of disagreements, like the de definition of love and how love is expressed in Christian marriage. And I challenge each of you, even those who have been there and done that, to teach them so that they can share the love that they experience here with other people, with the bully in their school, with the homeless youth of the District of Columbia, the orphans of Chicago, so that they will know that they too are loved, no matter what their circumstances, and will all be irresistibly drawn into Christ's church. So, if you haven't visited CCPC's library, look for it on the first floor, down the hall from Chadsey Hall. Find a book to encourage your spiritual journey this summer and check it out. And don't forget to sign up downstairs to help teach a class of little ones this summer. You'll be richer for your efforts. My mother's mother, my grandmother Lauderdale, modeled for me how to read the Bible every day. One of my earliest memories is waking before dawn, an unusual occurrence for me, and following the light of her reading lamp at the kitchen table to find her reading her Bible and devotion book. She penciled the date and her thoughts about what she was reading in the margin of her well-used Bible, a book that I still have and in which I find comfort and inspiration to this day. I can't say that I read the Bible before dawn, but I do read something every day. If that discipline is not one of yours, I challenge you to take up your Bible off the shelf and dust it off or open it on your phone. Yes, you can get it there. And open it to explore the word of God. Don't start with Leviticus, but start. Open your heart with the psalmist and sing praises. Explore the stories of the people of Israel through the Torah or the development of the early church, beginning with its birth in the New Testament. Immerse yourself in the teachings of Jesus and let the light of Christ illumine your life. So, read the Bible to yourself, to your children, to your grandchildren, 
and let the word of God enlighten your life. My Aunt Isabel believed in and practiced extravagant hospitality. She recognized that when hospitality is most fully realized, to be hospitable is more than welcoming a stranger. It's recognizing the holiness of another who is created in the image of God, who offers us gifts and blessings that are unique. From her, I learned the joy of cooking for others and watching relationships flourish over a shared meal. Together, we prepared and served luncheons and dinners, organized potlucks, oversaw traditional wedding receptions with hundreds of tea sandwiches, mints to match the bride's colors, and wedding punch that matched as well. She shared her conviction and her recipes, as Chef Jerry Gudis has. But more importantly, she taught me that community is a gift from God, to be communicated and nurtured through opportunities for spiritual growth in worship and study together, and relational nourishment through fellowship and food. Remember that many hands make light work. So don't be afraid to sign up for a team to create a congregational meal or take a chance and join a small group. Take a risk and sit with someone you don't know in worship. Share refreshments with a visitor instead of the friends that you may meet, that you may come to see. And introduce yourself. Yes, even if they may have been members of the church for 50 years, it's your first meeting. And go out to lunch after church. Be intentional to really connect with each other and to deepen your relationships with one another. My great-grandmother King was a courageous, elegant, no-nonsense woman. She came to the United States when she was six on a wooden ship and lived to see men walk on the moon before she died at age 101. She always listened intently as I shared a problem, but then pointed out that I had the answer within me. You know what you have to do, she'd say matter-of-factly. She taught me how to stand firm for the implications of Christ's teachings, to love in the face of hardship, and recognized that the Christ whom Paul preached was largely unpopular and controversial because he made a lot of claims that people didn't like. At the same time, she affirmed his sacrificial love and sought to learn from his life how to live no matter how hardships, how many hardships life might bring. I heard her words when the late Reverend Dr. James Cone, revered liberation theologian and passionate civil rights activist, spoke to a group gathered here in DC in April of last year to hear him speak about his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. He also didn't pull any punches when he said, it's a miracle that Afro-Americans didn't hate white people. Those in the audience squirmed at the truth which he spoke so plainly. In the question and answer period that follows, he, asks, he was asked sincerely, 
What do we do? It's too hard, too big, too difficult. Cone paused and said, you know what you need to do. The question is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to pay the price that will be required to bring about justice to those who have been long denied? I think he was talking about discipleship, the work of disciples, the work of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's how we respond to the gracious love of God, and it's not a dirty word. It calls us to live in this world with energy, enthusiasm, imagination, and love, which God has given us to build up the body of Christ and to serve the needs of our hurting world, which God loves so much. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We do not proclaim ourselves, but we proclaim Jesus as Lord. One final woman has influenced my faith and ministry in a profound way. St. Julian of Norwich was born in Norwich, England in 1342. No, I didn't know her personally. <laughs> Almost nothing is known of her except that she wrote about herself and her calling as an anchoress. We don't even know her real name. As for the, was the custom of the anchoresses, she took the name Julian from the name of the church to which she was attached. St. Julian's. During a second illness at age 30, a serious illness at age 30, she received 16 dramatic revelations of the love of God and called these revelations showings. Julian was, in effect, a hermit who withdrew from society in order to devote herself completely to prayer and contemplation. She could see the altar and receive communion through an opening in the church's wall. But otherwise, she never left her tiny room in the wall of the church. Norwich was a bustling city, and Julian's spirituality was born and nurtured in the middle of it. So she decided not to forget or to ignore its existence. She asked for a window a window in her anchor hold, and she listened to tales of the world's woes, dispensed what comfort she could, and shared God's love with those who came to her. I think some people wonder if I'm a Protestant nun. Children have asked me where my bed is, since I must sleep at the church. In really, in reality, Contemplating the life and words of St. Julian have given me balance, challenge, and peace over these years. She wrote in her book, Showing. And so the good Lord answered to all these questions and doubts which I could raise, saying most comfortingly, I may make all things well, and I can make all things well, and I shall make all things well and I will make all things well. And you will see yourself that every kind of thing will be well. In these words, 
God wishes us to be enclosed in rest and peace. Reading about Julian's optimism, I'm encouraged to see more clearly that pain is quelled by love and that we are enabled to trust in the providence of a gracious God. It is all in the choosing. It is all in the asking. May we all choose life over and over again. All shall be well. I pray that you will find a balance in your spiritual journey between prayer, worship, and study, and an active ministry of justice in the world so that you do not lose heart and all will be well. So it is appropriate to celebrate Mother's Day in the church. I think it is when we touch some of the deepest truths of our religious tradition and when we're reminded of the most powerful gift that any mother can give, the knowledge that we are loved unconditionally. I trust that you too have strong women in your life who have taught you and nurtured you and whom you celebrate this day. What we have seen in part in these mothers' love, we see fully in the love of God. May the light of the knowledge of the love of God, which shines in the face of Jesus Christ, shine through you into the world. Amen.